This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights to show you. Strange. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. Sitting six feet away from me, right over there, is Eric Margaret. (laughs) Hello. And then diametrically opposed from him and me (laughs) at six feet is Vanessa Williams. Hi. Oh my God, I get to see human faces. So weird. It's very weird. I'm Kelly Young, and uh, it is weird because we made a big deal of uh, social distancing, and then you guys came over, and I gave you both big sloppy hugs, and I was like, oh my God, humans. It's, it's good, though. It's good to have human interaction. I, I've seen other YouTubers slowly sitting closer and closer to each other. <laughs> so I feel like it's it's acceptable. Nice. Um, so we're trying out brand new equipment. So yep. this may mm-hmm. sound, I don't know, a tad different. Sounds a little different in my cans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You He's got nice studio. cans over there, Vanessa. Oh, yeah, I can see them. Are they plastic or are they tin? <laughs> How dare you? you they like are plastic that are painted to look tin. <laughs> That's 100% true. They look good. They look sharp. Thank you. Um, before we get into everything, I wanted to throw out a mention to the Portland Horror Film Festival, which is happening. Yeah. As, if you're listening to this on the day we drop, then that means this weekend is the Portland Horror Film Festival online. And that website is portlandhorrorfilmfestival.com Nice And uh, they've got a weekend of short films something like 50 short films are showing and this was supposed to be an in-person film festival but the world changed and so people are adapting Mm -hmm. and this is one of the ways they're doing that I don't know if you guys saw the the, um, preview night last week No, I missed it but I did see that they were messaging about how they were going uh, stuff was starting Yeah, yeah and I get you know they did have a couple of technical snafus. This is one of those things that people are going to have a a very long learning curve on. (laughs) Speaking of, considering this will be on the, what, 17th, 18th, this is coming out. And as of the 15th, Crypticon announced that uh, we're not going to happen in September. Oh, Oh, no, I didn't know Uh, that. So, you know, and if that doesn't announcement doesn't come out on the 15th, I'll just cut this part out. (laughs) Oh, my God. But what I'm working to do on the film festival is we're working on an online. We're also in talks with a drive-in theater 
to oh. show a portion of films at a drive-in theater. Oh, my God. So I'm hoping that will happen. Oh Do I God. know this drive-in theater? I don't know. Okay. There's a couple of them. We're also looking at doing a... There's another group that does some outdoor films in the fall. If the drive-thrus don't work, we're going to do kind of an outdoor film festival for at least a night. Yeah. And then some online festival stuff as well. Yeah. So hopefully we'll retain most of the filmmakers that had submitted and we don't have to worry about finding new. Because there's some good stuff this year and I hope I can be able to show it and share it and... People will enjoy it. Yeah. I so. love the idea of um, doing a drive-in version. Oh, my God. That would be so much fun. It would be such a, like, throwback to the B-movie, mm-hmm. you know, era of watching, like, only the sketchiest horror <laughs> you can get your hands on remotely. Are we saying then that, so Crypticon is just not happening at all this year? Right. Okay. What a bummer. Yeah, exactly. Although That's we have, tough. they've already booked, Troy already booked uh Next year's at the hotel for the last, it's like the last Friday in April and then first oh, okay. and second So we'll be back to that period of time. Yep. Next okay. year. Wow. Yeah. Anderson Island Film Festival, which is what I, um, it's only two, three years old would be this year. And we've just straight up canceled it because we just, we don't have the capacity. It's like me and three old other elderly, lovely human <laughs> beings trying to, who are retired and have nothing to do. It's just really too, and it's, I live in a community that is primarily old people. So like when I see old people who are already across the street from me, they go into the ditch to get further <laughs> away from me. So it's just not viable to, to screen to them. Good yeah, call. that makes sense. What a bummer though. Yeah. Mm. Hey guys, I, uh, I watched a couple of Fun things this week. Oh. And they're uh, Joel McHale-centric. What? Oh, really? Yeah. Local boy, Joel McHale? Exactly. (laughs) He's Uh, local? You know him as Jeff Winger from Community and uh, every other slimy person he has played. That seems to be his role in the movies is is the slimy boyfriend or something. Bill Paxton-esque sort of character, but not quite as whiny, more slimy. (laughs) Well, he is a great voice in the Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge cartoon, Ooh. he plays really? Johnny Cage. <laughs> oh, my God. Nice. He is so slimy, and he's clueless. He doesn't realize that this is a match to the death until right towards the end. He just keeps thinking that everybody is getting hurt, and and why are people dying in this thing? Oh, it's, my God. It's pretty funny. Oh. <laughs> uh, the cartoon itself is rated R. It is so gory and bloody, I was kind of blown away. Wow. Yeah. Does it feel like almost anime level? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And weird stuff. So the last time I played a Mortal Kombat game was 20 years ago. Sure. Uh, but it seems like they're trying to pull things directly from the newer iterations of the game. I guess a, a one of the games you would hit somebody and it would do like an x-ray. Yep. You could see bones breaking. Yeah. 10. Okay. Yeah. So stuff like that happens in oh, this cartoon. Oh my it's, God. It's pretty crazy. I had a blast <laughs> with it. Wow. That sounds super fun. How did you get a hold of it? Oh, it's available to rent. It's all over the place oh, right sure. now. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so I actually uh, finally got around to watching something that I know a lot of people are really into. Uh, which is Avatar. 
<laughs> just now? The, the really? Avatar or no, Avatar the no. Airbender thing? The, the Last Airbender, the oh, Nickelodeon okay. <laughs> cartoon series. No, uh, no, I did not watch the movie. No interest in that whatsoever. But um, <laughs> it's become available on, I believe it's Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. And it's um, been trending in the top 10. A lot of people have been checking it out. And I have to say, like, season one's okay, but the writing gets really, really good. And the animation just gets better and better. And it's this weird mix between kind of traditional Asian style, like, uh, you know, there's like some anime in there and it's it's told through kind of like an Asian lens, but with a lot of Western stuff behind it. Mm. So I just saw an episode where they're like going down the river and you have these kind of tribal people in boats, but they have like Louisiana Hick voices. So you get these really interesting, strange decisions that make it really fun. I've never really given this a try. I had no interest in it, but um, was told I had to see it. So it was like, <laughs> okay, I don't have anything else to do. And actually, it's really good. It was. I was like, oh man, this feels like Ninja Turtles level of like care. Like they care that this is going to be good. And I guess <laughs> they, they really thought through where it was going. And it's it's told in a very good way. It's a pretty old story by now, right? The first uh, season must have been 15 years something ago. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. But it, it looks surprisingly good for that. Yeah. Nice. I watched, uh, I rewatched one that I'd watched before um, that I had been wanting to watch for a few, quite a while now and wanted to share with Dina. Like, so good. Uh, Standing in the Shadows. It's a documentary of about Funk Brothers, who were Motown's backup band. For example, combined, they have played on more hits than Elvis. What was it? Elvis, The Beatles, Rolling Stones, and I think somebody else combined. They played on more hit records than all of those bands have put out. Wow. (laughs) They are in in one version or another, because a few members died really young, Mm -hmm. and a few new folk came on but in various versions they have been they are on damn near every Motown song you've probably ever heard and they not only were on it they were involved in writing them oh my god at times Uh, not necessarily from beginning to end kind of writing but they were all contributors in ways and they would change things and just astounding the talent they had where they'd come in and two hours later they had heard it through the grapevine or something like that that you know is going to be heard for decades wow and these are uh so it's well worth watching because they really deserve to be celebrated uh they basically amounted to being session musicians by the time it was done they did, they were very rarely if ever given writing money right right credits so wow. it's just like oh man what's the name of it again it's called standing in the shadows wow and i think i got that uh I think it was an Amazon rental. I'm not sure. I don't think it's streaming free right now. But and it's not told. It's like it. It shows how they kind of got screwed over. But that's not the story. The story is the celebration of the Funk Brothers. Wow. So it's overall, it's a real uplifting, really neat, fun video or fun movie to watch. And wow. of course, it's it's kind of long for a documentary. That's mm-hmm. because they have about. They brought in them now when they made this in 2001. They brought them in to play live and then brought singers like Boots, Funky Boots, I forget the guy's name, Boots Collins, comes in and sings with them. And uh, Michelle Negede Ocello, (laughs) (laughs) it's almost impossible to say, but uh, and perform live. So they 
play a lot of those songs. So oh, there's wow. a lot of music in it too. Man. There's, um, uh, that reminds me, there's a, a really good documentary that I caught at, I think it's SIF a couple years back about backup singers. Oh and, yeah, that's oh really my good. God, it's so good. I wish I could remember the name of it, but <laughs> it had sort of a similar feel to mm-hmm. it where it's like all these people who had such a big impression on some of our favorite classic, you know, 60s songs, uh, 50s and 60s. And you just never know. They never... Uh, fifty feet, uh, fifty feet from stardom. I think, oh, yes. or something yeah, that's it, from that's stardom. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so so good. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear good. about. I love hearing these stories of things that you just. The context is just so wonderful. Yeah, and well, Dina liked it a lot too. Oh, oh good. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to continue my Joel McHale. Oh yeah, yes. sorry, um, Eric. Have you been watching the CW show Star Girl? No, no. It's really good. Oh, is it? And Joel McHale shows up as the original Starman. <laughs> and he, I got to say, you know, he's a handsome guy, but yeah. he looks great in a superhero costume. Oh, he's, really? he's got superhero body now. I mean, yeah. He has really jacked himself up. Uh, is it a, I kind of avoided it because it looked like a WB original. Is it a, it's a, um, based on something? It's a or? DC Universe original that okay. the CW is playing the next day for free. So if you oh. have the DC Universe which is the, the guys that put out Titans and Swamp yeah. Thing and all that. Uh, then the CW is rerunning it. Now, I'm watching it on CW, so I don't know if it is a little more risque or violent or whatever on the DC Universe version. Mm. And Joel McHale only shows up in the beginning of this first episode uh, because he's Starman and the series is Stargirl. Speaking of uh, DC Universe, do you see they're replacing, uh, I forgot the actress's name, but who plays uh, Batgirl or Batwoman? Is yeah. The... Which I think is a great call. She was so nothing in that role. Oh, no. And I've stopped watching it after about four episodes because I'm just like, this seems like it could be good, but she is just lack of charisma for the role she was playing was amazing. Oh, I'm man. Going, man. So I, I don't watch the show, but I've been following along with this, and I'm wondering why they decided... They're not recasting her character. They're getting rid of her character and bringing in a no. different Batwoman now. Oh. Okay. And I'm like, why would you not just recast your lead? Because they're making sure that she is a gay character. Right. Mm-hmm. So now it feels like kind of insulting, right? Just any gay character yeah, can also be Batwoman. And it, it's... I don't know. I don't like the way that they're doing this. The storyline, you know, that whole um, that whole character had become a real icon for gay pride in comics, and hmm. and there's um, there's a power to that character, I think. Yeah. And and they're kind of saying, ah, eh, anyone will do. <laughs> it feels oh. like. Well, it almost feels, for me, it's more like the original casting was kind of stunt casting because she was really, really hot as a performer right then, right. at that time of the casting. And most of the other castings for DC, I feel, has actually been pretty damn good. The guy they cast for Arrow yeah, was fantastic. Yeah. The guy that got for Flash has been great. But I feel like they should have, instead of going with a name, because they hadn't done it before, so why do it now? Mm-hmm. Go reach out and get that strong, powerful, charismatic character you want to follow into battle. It just, it didn't feel like what you got out of the other DC Universe shows at all. Like the the women leading the um, Wave Rider in Legends of Tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. 
own the fucking leadership of that. <laughs> the captain is the captain, and there's no doubt about it. She is great at it, and her second is also great at it. That, that's what you want. I want my the Batwoman to walk into the scene and go, she's here to kick some ass. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's not like they're developing her character, and she's starting off as this like kind of smaller thing that she's only slight, beginning to realize her own powers and right now no. it didn't feel like that right oh, that's so frustrating like I don't know the Batwoman comic series I, I've, but I have been up on Batgirl so I'm assuming they're not the same character no not at all <laughs> no it's like I don't think Batgirl um, has had any uh, LGBTQ uh, qualities so far I don't believe so no yeah. I don't know uh, before we get off this though um mm-hmm. Check out Stargirl, Eric. You would like yeah. it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a young girl who's, you know, ended up with these powers now. And her sidekick is her new stepdad, who she doesn't like, oh. who's played by Luke Wilson. And he's oh fantastic. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. It's a lot of fun. That, that does sound I mean, because they moved uh, Superwoman to DC, to w, to CW. And uh, she's been great there. That that show has been continued to be really solid. So Super, like a good Supergirl, idea. yeah, Supergirl. was on DC Universe. I think they moved. No, no, to CW. Sorry, I meant to say they moved it to CW. Yeah, they moved it, it to CW from where? It was, it was CW. A, no, it was uh, a network show. It was, yeah, it was uh, like a NBC fun, or ABC. Yeah. Or it something. was. Yeah, yeah, that's why they had the weird separation of this. They had problems with the Superman things and stuff, and they had to work out. Their first crossovers didn't cross over quite as well as the latter ones did, even though the stories really like, never oh, got better. Uh, you just missed my my friend who has <laughs> left his cape here. You see a cape off in the distance. You just missed my cousin. He's don't know where he went to. Oh well, like, talk about him while he's not in the scene. I this doesn't make sense, and I have a feeling people who are actually watching these shows are going, "No, Eric, you've got this completely wrong." Because it was always on the CW. I am positive of that. Was. <laughs> That's how they were able to do all those crossovers with the uh, Infinite Earth, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Well, they were, they, she was on CW at that point. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Let's fight it out. Yeah. You know uh, what? We'll just go to the Googles. I wish we were just doing this over Zoom right now, to be That's honest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not going well. <laughs> No, it's great. Uh, I, you know, I miss the days when you couldn't look up the answers and you just you get just really had to mad settle. at each other. <laughs> you just have to like agree to disagree and never know the truth. Right. Because who's going to go find like the VHS copy or the, you know, and like. From now on, I'm going to pretend lunch. it's that way again. And I'm just going to be like, fun? you know what? I guess we'll never know. No yeah, way to find right. out. Yep. <laughs> It's actually a really like interesting way of looking at it because I get in these arguments with my sister. Originally all the time. aired on CBS. Oh, CBS premiered oh, October twenty oh, fifteenth oh. on CBS. There you For, go. What, like the first season or something? Then moved to. Well, they moved production in twenty sixteen, so I'm assuming that's when they moved to CW. They moved from LA to Vancouver. Oh shoot! Yeah, that has to be. Season one was CBS. Season two and currently with CW. Okay. There, do, you, do you feel better, Eric? It feels good to. Um, no, I knew I was right, right so yeah, it didn't right, make any difference it? to me because I already knew I was, <laughs> was correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel educated because I had no stake in the game whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I was on a journey. All right, well, next. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, okay. Um, uh, so we're nearing the end of uh, Last Drive In season two. Um, so I watched uh, Joe Bob's, uh, it was a, a very special 
double billing of two films in which Joe Bob appears. <laughs> so they've started with Scare Package and then did Hogzilla. I have never been so unhappy watching Last really? Drive-In. No. They're both horrible films. Uh, it seemed almost, though, that that was the point. You I know, it was a birdemic Sharknado kind of thing. Well, the problem with Scare Package is you didn't know he was going to be in it until they got to that part of the film. So I was just like, why are we watching this? <laughs> it's got like, it's a multi-part, um, like, anthology film, but it's got like nine parts to it. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's awful. And two, like, parts that string everything together that don't work together at all. So the first, like maybe two or three segments are kind of interesting and fun, but then it just goes off the rails and I just tuned out. I was like, I'm really bored right now. And then Joe and Bob <laughs> showed up and I was like, Oh, this is why I'm watching this right now. Great. Great. But I know the filmmaker was obviously thrilled and he was tweeting sure. about it. Cause this was his like world premiere. Yeah. I saw, I saw a, not as much for that one, but Holy yeah. crap. Hashtag Hogzilla was, Everywhere. Oh my god! Saturday night. <laughs> well, I guess Darcy. It sounded like um, the film was buried, and there was a lot of litigation. And Darcy, the male girl, went mm -hmm. in and just like saved it. And I don't know if there was like some editing that needed to be completed too. But like, I know that she went through really great lengths to get that film to appear. <laughs> it is awful, and I was so <laughs> mad because there's no spoilers. There's no hog. There's no Hogzilla until like the last 15 maybe minutes of the movie. No. Ah, there you go. You don't see one. They couldn't even like, I just like, just put, just take like a furry thing on a mop and just <laughs> put it in front of the camera and have it run back and forth a little bit. I would be happier with that. I'm like, put in a horrible CGI hog. This is the first time in my life I would rather have that than literally just watch bad actors go, no, and a hog POV camera just swishing around. Oh my God. It was so awful. Hog vision. Uh, yeah, Jim there Bob you was go. The best part by far, but his story also made no sense. So whatever, whatever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed how much the people who were playing it enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching Darcy enjoy it. Well, that's get something, you know. You know that was that was thanks for my four to five hour experience of that. That was my takeaway. But there's a they have a chance to uh, do something fun. They've got one more weekend ahead. So. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I saw one, if you haven't seen, I think you'll like, Kelly. Um, it's on uh, Amazon called Making Apes, The Artists Who Changed Film. This huh. sounds like a Planet of the Apes documentary. That's exactly what it oh, is, yes. It's oh uh, about how it, it's advertised as being about how the makeup from Planet of the Apes really changed makeup. But it's more than that um, because, you know, obviously we all know Jaws and... Um, other giant, huge movies that came out in the 70s that were huge hits and had an impact on culture. Planet of the Apes was one of those films. Right. It's not Did credited it? quite as much as it is, but oh man, it was huge. Oh, um, I had no idea. I mean, I knew they made like, I have a box set, so I know oh, yeah. they made like five or whatever, six of them. But yeah. How many? Five, five I think. I think yeah. Original yeah. Run, yeah. yeah. Five original run. There was the TV show. There was tons oh of toys. Cartoon, yeah. Yeah, the cartoon. What? It was, it was huge. Whoa. And they thought they were going to have a massive disaster. And then, you know, Charlton Heston comes on board and said, oh, well, maybe we'll, we'll actually be able to make something out of this <laughs> freaking movie. But it, it's a really interesting documentary about 
it does center around the makeup artist, but then it kind of branches out, covers more. Mm-hmm. Uh, at about halfway through, I'm going, how is this entire documentary just going to be the makeup artist? Because it kind of feels like they're at the end of their part of the, uh-huh. <laughs> the movie totally. as they're starting to talk about the release of the film. Mm-hmm. But then it goes on and talks about the phenomenon and all the other stuff. So it, it's it's well worth checking out. It's really good. Is this a recently made? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, anything else, guys, or should we take a little break and uh, jump into Father's Day? Sure. Sounds good to me. We'll be right back after these brief messages. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Before we get into all the stuff here, I just wanted to say that there was a lot of feedback on oh. the last episode yeah. and your choice for the subgenre pick. Oh, <laughs> I might have missed There's this. a reason that particular style is an evergreen panel discussion for most horror conventions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, well, like Bob and Ron were getting on there and going, boy, you guys, this is a rough episode. <laughs> I, yeah. I had a friend who was like, I have to call you and talk to you about this. And I was like, what? Like, okay. I mean, I've already done as much talking about it as I really want to do, but all right, sure. <laughs> So uh, with that in mind, Vanessa, I was so glad that uh, we got something a little more upbeat for this week. Yeah. You know, Father's Day. Father's Day. It's right around the corner. No, like there's there actually I will say this. There are obviously a lot of movies that are about bad fathers, but there are some movies out there about really caring fathers. Well, why don't you tell us about it? Well, I mean, there's you've got Maggie and you've got oh. um, uh, <laughs> Train Busan. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah so there That's are true. stories where the mist, where the fathers are trying very hard and mostly love their kid or learn to. Yeah. You know, um, but I I went this week. I mean, this is this is my pick. And there was one film that I've been wanting to see for quite a while. So uh, I went ahead and picked The Clove Hitch Killer. You are the best young lady that he has brought home to meet us. Also the only one. Dad. Not tying exemplifies the strength of a troop or family. How come Dad doesn't have to help with couponing? Because your father has his own hobbies. (laughs) 
about that clovage stuff, right? Ten official victims. No fingerprints, no blood. Just the clovage tied to every victim's house. I've been meaning to talk to you. You know we're made in God's image. But men like you and me, we got thoughts. I don't think he stopped killing. I think there's more than ten victims. You can't control what pops into your head, right? He has pictures. I mean, what if a thought popped into your head right now? A bad thought. Does that look like your father's handwriting? Something like grabbing one of these tools and wham! There. Awkward talk with Dad. Over. You think your dad is Clovage? I don't know. Something's going on. Something bad. He's insane. That's my dad. Maybe you don't know what a normal dad is like. She's manipulating you. Where are we going? Almost there, bud. I actually am not familiar with this title really? at all. I, you know, I think it's just been recommended to me in person, but I haven't even seen it, I think, pop up on that many lists. It's relatively unknown. It's really under the radar, but super, like, it's it's worth watching. Cool. Yeah. it's And it's hanging around. I think um, I checked it out on... Hulu or Netflix. <laughs> I wish I could remember one of them. Uh, yeah, obviously. Great. But it's a very recent film, um, 2018. To give you a little bit more info, um, budget, I have no idea what it was, <laughs> but it grossed in the U.S. $8,208. Nice. And one night the theater. Yeah, exactly. Like got 168,000, so that's good. But yeah, I, I feel like they probably, it was probably a money loser except for on streaming. So I assume that sure. its life has only existed on streaming. And it I, I don't know, like I think everyone I know who's seen it has just gone past the thumbnail and was like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. <laughs> um, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for this is 78% critic and 69% audience um so relatively not too bad um tagline evil is closer than you think and <laughs> no it's so wet it's such a wet blanket snows <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah and that's the thing like the art on the cover is also like you uh, it stars dylan mcdermott and you wouldn't even really realize it from looking at the cover so they, they really are not good at selling themselves the the overall premise is a, a teenage boy suspects his father of being a legendary um serial killer the Clove Hitch Killer. <laughs> um, what, what is a Clove Hitch? Is that the name of a town or something? It's or? the name of a knot. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's a style of knot. So um, the the killer's leaving behind uh, for all his victims on the outside door. There's like a knot that's left that's perfectly made. Oh, okay. Weird. Interesting. Yeah. Um, sure. Why not? The cast, uh, cast and crew, um, director Duncan Skiles, he really hasn't done anything. <laughs> this dude came out of nowhere. I think he directs a lot of puppet films. 
and things. Okay. Yeah. Like he did Muppets. the fuzz. And then he was part of a, he was in a bunch of episodes of a 12 part series called Stories from the Felt. <laughs> All right then. What, yeah. when, sorry, I've, I'm sure you said it, but when was this made again? 2018. It okay, was when so it was it released. Real now. All right. Yeah. So this guy is like kind of nobody, but the writer, Christopher Ford, Robot and Frank, he wrote Spider Man Homecoming. Uh, he did, um, and two lesser known films, uh, Clown and Kevin Bacon's Cop Car. Oh, Cop Car is really good too. Yeah, yeah. But like, I loved Robot and Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, oh my gosh, that explains. There is some unbelievably good writing in this. Uh, it's starring Dylan McDermott, who's, this is probably the best I've ever seen him act. Really? Yeah. Because no, I love him. Yeah, he's, he's done great stuff. Unbelievably good in this role. It is shocking. He pulls off <laughs> this great line of being, is he, isn't he, so well, of so personable and so loving, but maybe he is manipulating <laughs> you, and maybe he is lying to you, but you you can tell, like, you're scared and thrilled by him at the same time. You're like, I want this dad, but I don't want this dad. <laughs> oh, nice. He's just brilliant. Um, anyone who doesn't know Dylan McDermott, um, he was in The Practice, American Horror Story, um, and actually recently Hollywood, which is a yes. favorite yeah, of Kelly's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we have um, a couple other, not not that many people in this that are um, very big. We have Charlie Plummer, who plays his son. Uh, most of the film is through his perspective. Um, he kind of came out of Boardwalk Empire. He's been on King Jack, Lean on Pete, and upcoming in a couple of things, the most exciting of which is Moonfall, which is the new Roland Emmerich film. Oh. What? Yeah. The, yeah. The premise is a spa space crew travels to the moon after it's been struck by an asteroid. I'm so excited. You didn't even have to tell me that was a Roland Emmerich film. Yeah. I would have actually yeah. said, is this a Roland Emmerich film? Totally. Uh, I hope it's his return to form because I don't want to see any more historical dramas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't try to stretch your abilities. Just stay in your lane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He has a really good look. So um, I, I don't know if he's the strongest of actors um, in this particular piece, but he's got a really good, strong kind of face to pull off a lot of um, these kind of scared, freaked out moments. Um, and then the last main person you kind of run into is um, the outsider girl who starts to hang out with uh, the kid who's played by Madison Beattie. Um, she has been around for a while, but um, not something I'd really recognize. She was in The Fosters, The Master, and most recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was oh. like one of the hippie chicks in the van yeah. where he thinks like his friend is being held hostage. So she's like one of the girls in the van. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she's super, she's, she's pretty good as well. So, um... The if I remember correctly, she has a important scene towards the end with a mantle. Oh, you might be right. I believe yeah. so. You know what? Okay. You're probably yeah. right. I. It's not that I blocked it out, <laughs> but I don't think I visually want to hold on to too much from that particular part of the film. <laughs> I mean. Striking imagery, and that's why. It, that's why I, I, yeah, yeah, she's I got beautiful red hair. So <laughs> there you go. That's fun to watch it be crushed. Um, so 
so the actual story, you know, you're following Tyler, who's the son, um, as he basically begins to suspect slowly but surely that his father is this kind of like small town local legend killer who 10 years previous had killed a number of girls. I can't remember if it's like six or 10, but quite a few. And every year there's like a little small town memorial for them. And so we start off at that memorial. Um, and the kid is just having a normal, very white, uh, very small town, very Christian life. <laughs> and it is, I will say that is one of the strong points of this film is how well they nail Christian families, like modern Christian life of going to church or somebody hears a rumor about you and immediately <laughs> ostracizes you. Um, so that's actually kind of what happens in this is um, he's having a normal, totally no big deal world. Um, he's, he kind of takes his um, father's truck to go out on a date and uh, in the middle of the night, you know, kind of steals it off, goes and meets up with one of the Christian girls from school. And, um, uh, she finds they're making out everything's going really well and she finds this little scrap of paper and it's a cutout of a girl in BDSM <laughs> and she you know he'd been like boasting about how it's his car and so she's like, is this what you expect? Is this what you want? And of course, by, you know, like shortly after everyone in his community thinks that he's a pervert and he's sick and, <laughs> you know, ostracizes him. Um, and he starts to have these weird feelings about what's going on with his dad, but he has nobody to talk to. But there is one girl who sits outside the church every day and is very odd. Um, she's kind of seems like she's, you know, outsider, maybe gothy ish, like judging everybody, being the weird chick doing weird things part of this movie. Um, so he uh, they start kind of running into each other a little bit more and more and confronting each other. And he says, hey, you're obsessed with serial killers, right? Because that's like the thing that she's known for is being obsessed with serial killers. He's like, can you tell me about the clove hitch killer? And she's like are you trying to get in my pants? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and he's like, no, I just genuinely want to know for no reason. Um, and so they start hanging out and he starts learning all these things about the Clovich killer. Uh, slowly but surely, there's more and more clues about, you know, his dad has like a shed. And in the shed underneath some boards is a box. And in the box is a picture of a girl. And the picture of the girl is a girl who is one of the ones who went missing. Oh, boy. So you start on this kind of, hey, what's going on here? Like, it seems very, it feels like very clear that his dad is the killer, but there's there's many questions along the way, um, including uh, there's, there's a couple of other characters that it could be that are close to the family, that maybe they left things here or there. The storytelling in this, the pacing, the acting, the writing, is pitch perfect. Wow. The the nice. amount, um, and here's here's why. About mm, uh, two-thirds the way into the film, so we're following Tyler all this time, we switch. Tyler goes off to um, leadership camp, church leadership camp, to oh, yeah. up his this. resume. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I remember this. Small town, yeah, I yeah. remember this. Yep, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so he uh, goes off, and then we switch into Dylan McDermott's view, and it becomes almost like a comedy. It's like very dark, but very light at the same time. Like, you can't stop laughing at this guy's, like, 
day. Like this, you know, stand up citizen, you know, dude who loves his family. He's like, I'm off to work. I'm going to go and eat my lunch in my car and then talk to some gun, uh, some cops about, you know, their favorite type of gun. And then I'm going to go home and rub my back. And it's just like weirdly hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, this is where we're going to get into some spoiler territory. So um, I gonna try not to reveal too too much but it, i have to give away the end unfortunately so at the end of it he falls into <laughs> he falls into his serial killer way so he he's his wife is sent out of town to go visit her um mother with their daughter and his son is obviously off at leadership camp so he starts hunting and looking but he's old now <laughs> And his back hurts and he's got to like climb in people's windows and scout out the, their house and try and figure this out. And so right as he is about to do the thing that he likes to do to satiate this feeling, um, we switch and we see Tyler shows up with a shotgun and just opens the door and is pointing at it. Then we switch again back into Tyler's viewpoint, but we go back, we go back in time. So you understand the context of how we led back up to this moment. It is done so well because it is like a, a stressful, suspenseful movie. And by switching to that comedy space and getting in the headspace and understanding this guy, it's just so brilliant. And then switching back into that tension and it, it just builds so nicely. So the writing in this is just wonderful. The themes, you know, in this film, you've, you've got a lot of, it's a lot of fatherhood. It's a lot about leadership. It's a lot of good versus evil. You see the son kind of trying to decide whether or not, what kind of leader, what kind of man you want to be. And his father mm -hmm. is renowned, you know, he's a scoutmaster and he's a, you know, important person in the church. But is also this horrible, dark thing. So it's like, but wait, but he takes care of his family and he loves his family and he's a good man to so many people. But, you know, is this the kind of, what, what is the right way to be a good person? And it's left very gray. Hmm. And wow. it's kind of cool for doing that and not just straight up being like, these people are evil, these people are good. Um, I really liked that. The My favorite things about this film, definitely Dylan McDermott, definitely great storytelling. Um, and the religious thing, I, it really was creepy having grown <laughs> up uh, Catholic. Uh -huh. it, it's like they get home from church and they're sitting around listening to like more sermons on the radio, clipping out like coupons to like take to the store. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and they all have like really old janky cell phones. That's clearly a family plan. They're like crappy, like, you know, cheap clamshell style that barely can text, but all everyone in the family's got one. So they're obviously on a family plan. Other characters <laughs> do not have these crap. I, I was like, am I in a period piece? What's going on? But it's, no, it's just that like, we don't have a lot of money, but you know, we're doing the thing, but no cell phones at the table, guys. Like you're not being here for your family. It just, it really struck a note in me where it seems <laughs> over the top, but it's not. This is a hundred percent what I remember things being like. So, um, that was really good. The thing I wasn't as into, I think the lead character is a little bit wet. I don't know that he, um, he's not, 
he's not as strong as I, I think I would have liked him to be. I think this kid is going to end up being a really great actor, but right now he's not quite there yet. So there's moments where I wasn't necessarily like, I got sick of looking at his face. Wow. <laughs> I was a little like, I'm tired of this expression. Oh my. This, this just went from, I think this kid's got a bright, shiny future to, I got tired of looking at his fucking well, face. It's because he's in Dark. one emotional state for most of the film of like. It works for Christian Stewart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, sure. Yeah, all right. I mean, Underwater is the most emoting. No, Charlie's Angels is the most emoting I've seen. God, you watch that? Too. Oh, wow. It's not as horrible as you'd think, but it's not very good. Um, Sorry, I didn't think that derail quite as strong as it did. <laughs> um, so, uh, overall, like, I would 100% um, recommend this film. Um, just a, a couple of notes about the film itself. It's based on, it is based on the BTK killer. I wondered about that. Oh, yep. okay. It is directly based on Dennis Ratter, um, who was also a devout leader in church and Boy Scout leader. He was, it, his son also discovered his vast pornographic collage hobby. So mm. they've got that in common. So it, it does have very close links. But at the same time, the filmmaker did not want to have a direct film about him because, as he said, it would give him, the killer, too much attention. And I know he likes that. Like... They all do. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't want to feed into what, you know, serial killers love. Right. Um, so he he kind of made a little bit of a departure in that. But it if you feel like it seems like a familiar story, it definitely is. Uh, it also, not many other things I could dig up about this film. Like I said, Clove Hitch is a type of knot. <laughs> you got my piece of trivia earlier there. It's filmed in Kentucky. Oh, oh, that's thrilling. Yeah. And Paste Magazine lists it as number 48 out of their 50 best serial killer movies of all time. What magazine? Paste. Paste. You know. Yeah. A magazine of glue? Paste. It's like an online. <laughs> oh, okay. It's an online thing. Okay, so it's an online Yeah, online <laughs> thing. Uh, but overall, you know what? Awesome movie. Incredible movie. Totally recommend it. I loved it. It's just super fun. You guys should absolutely check it out. It's, it's buried and it shouldn't be buried. It's mm. a really good indie horror film. He sounds like he was a good dad, but maybe not a very good person. I think, yeah. I think you nailed it. I think he was, you know, he was. He was a good dad, but he had s certain things that he cared perhaps more about. Murder. Murder. Murder of ladies Murder. and taking pictures of them. <laughs> All tied up. It's great. You know, bondage sometimes leads. <laughs> it's a gateway porn. Oh, yeah, That's true. Apparently. That's true. I mean, I, I've heard. Eric, if you don't mind, I'll go next. Oh, I do. But I don't really enjoy. Okay. Enjoy. <laughs> I, uh, I picked something a little more wholesome. Ooh. I went from 2011, the movie Real Steel. Charlie Kenton is in the house! The one and only. Times have changed. Fighting has changed. But the crowd... They never change. They just get bigger. The human body can only take so much. But the 
steel never stops. This is what it's all about. Let's make some money. Vanessa, I have not, and I was so excited. This was one of your picks because I'm, I have wanted to see that movie for a while. This is your kind of movie. Oh, so I'm squeeing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, it could also be called Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie, because uh, yeah. it is about yeah. boxing robots. <laughs> it had a budget of one hundred and ten million dollars, a box office of three hundred million worldwide. Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 60%. The audience has it at 73%. It was directed by Sean Levy, who has done all of the Night at the Museum movies, uh, some episodes of Stranger Things, 38 other credits, mostly TV and stuff like that. Mm. And a lot of it is sci-fi horror stuff. So he's definitely one of us. (laughs) Um, Written by John Gatons, who wrote Kong Skull Island. Power Rangers, uh, Flight, the movie with Denzel. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And it was also written by Dan Gilroy, who wrote The Bourne Legacy, Nightcrawler, Velvet Buzzsaw, and it was based oh, on a Richard hell. Matheson short story. Oh, yes. Damn. So it's, there's... Heck yeah. yeah. Pulling it all in. Yeah, Absolutely. No I'll just throw out here, also produced by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> also, Kong Skull Island was fun. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, it stars, I mean, this is not a small film. It stars Hugh Jackman, who we all know. Yes. It stars Evangeline Lilly, who we all know. If you don't know, she was the Wasp in Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. Oh, right. She was She's lost. Lost. And it stars Dakota Goyo, who is the young son. Uh, he was in Thor. He played young Thor. He was in Dark Skies, which is really bad. Uh, the Journey <laughs> Home, Rise of the Guardians. But he's he's a kid, you know, and in and, and this movie he's 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's set sometime in the near future where robot boxing has become a thing. And it is a thing in that the robots are boxing, but they are being controlled by remote control by humans. So right. the robots don't go out and fight. They would stand there and just be hit if there wasn't somebody controlling them. And there's different levels of it. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like wrestling in that, you know, there's the WWE, which is the gigantic thing. And then there's your statewide ones and your small oh, okay. city and yeah. stuff like that. Jackman plays Charlie, who is a former real-life boxer who has been trying to adapt to the way the world works now. And so he is running um, a robot to box. So he's basically a a robot controller now, even though he used to be a real boxer. Does he, like, press buttons or does he, like, animate what he does? They have a little screen that they hold, kind of like an iPad, and they can do all the things with their thumbs and stuff to make it. And they've all got their killer moves and and shit like this. Yeah. Finish him. Yeah. Uh, When we meet him, uh, he's kind of a piece of shit. Sure. He's in... 
in the red to I've a lot of people. I've never seen Hugh Jackman play a piece of shit character before. Well, here's it's the gotta problem. It's got to be out of his wheelhouse. Here's the problem. He's so likable, yeah. even as a piece of shit, yeah. that you're kind of like, okay, uh. you know, he's he's kind of a scoundrel, <laughs> sure. you know. So, um, when he makes that hero's journey, you're just perfectly fine on the ride and for this, that. <laughs> this movie is totally a hero's journey oh. film. I mean, it hits everything. We... Uh, he, he owes everybody thousands and thousands of dollars, and then he gets a a message that his ex-wife has passed away. And uh, the son that he doesn't even really know, he, he knew that he existed, but he's never bothered to visit and everything. He uh, is going to go to court and basically sign him over to his ex-wife's sister and her husband. Mm. This is where his shittiness comes in, because when he finds out that the the sister's husband is very, very wealthy and that he was um, they were all going on a trip to Italy, he basically kind of cons the guy and says, well, I'm not I'm not going to give him over to you guys unless you pay me fifty thousand dollars. Oh, no. And Aww. and the husband's uh, idea is, OK, we'll do that. But then uh, you you have him for the summer while we vacation in Italy, while me and the wife vacation in Italy, and then we'll come and pick him up. So the wife doesn't know any of this is going on. (laughs) So there's these two kind of shady men making a deal over this 13-year-old kid. I think he's supposed to be 11, but the actor is 13. So they do this, and the kid, Max, um, has to stick with him. Uh, he finds out that, you know, they don't know each other at all, really. And so this is going to be a movie of them getting to know each other. He finds out that Charlie is one of these robot boxers. And it turns out that Max is a fan of robot boxing because everybody is a fan of robot boxing in this world. Mm-hmm. Charlie has uh, used this money to get a new robot, even though he owes all of this money to everybody else. Uh, his whole thing is, oh, if I get a robot, I can win that money back and I'll have a robot. Yeah. And on his first match, that robot gets demolished. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, so he's in the scrapyard with his kid and uh, the kid finds what is called a training robot. It is a really derpy, lunky robot that uh, the kid, you know, brings back to life basically and he wants to learn how to how to, you know, control a, a robot boxer. And and the dad is kind of like, oh, all right, I'll show you how to do this. But this this thing is not going to last even its first match. Yeah. And they take it to a kind of a shady boxing match. <laughs> and, Underground robot boxing. Yeah. And uh, the robot kind of accidentally wins its first match. And the oh. kid gets like three grand because everybody had bet against him. Charlie, of course, sees this and is like, shit, three grand. So he's like, all right, I'll help you fix this thing up. We'll see how far we can go with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the movie is basically the story of them now bonding. Mm-hmm. These two people who did not know about each other or really like each other start to realize, oh, we're, we're actually a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And uh, this robot, against all odds, starts winning these matches. And it's mostly because Charlie is, is helping him learn how to run it and all of this stuff. But we also see Charlie coming back as a, as a person mm-hmm. because he's interacting with the kid and he's starting to kind of get back the, the feeling of wonder he had anyway. And Evangeline Lilly is his kind of on-again, off-again girlfriend mm-hmm. who <laughs> is more worried about the kid than Charlie is. Mm-hmm. And so she spends some time with him and kind of tells him, you know, well, this is what your dad was like and this is why I fell for him because I saw him box and he was such a uh, such an artist 
when it came to boxing, that it was beautiful to watch. Well, one of the uh, things that this robot can do is a shadow function. It it can be used to help boxers learn how to box. And so by, by viewing him... By viewing Charlie, the robot can match his moves. And, of course, this will come to play towards the end when Mm. the controls for their robot are broken. And so Charlie has to box off screen or not off screen, but off stage. And the robot is fighting this robot, but looking at Charlie while he's doing it. Uh. And it's it's a it's a really neat moment because Evangeline Lilly is there, too. So Uh she's watching him off stage box and falling in love with him. And let's face it, Hugh Jackman is a very handsome man who is built really well. And you're also falling in love with him, watching him shadow box. You're just like, good Lord, no kidding. Um, If you have seen the movie Rocky, this is a blatant ripoff of Rocky. Um, I have music from over the top going to my head (laughs) through most of that. It It is a mixture of over the top and Rocky. You know, I, you expect the movie to end a certain way, yeah. and it does not. Hmm. But if you've no. seen the movie Rocky, it kind of it ends that way. Oh, okay. Oh, and, interesting. And it's a it's a better way to go with this. Yeah. It's a yeah, little more believable because yeah. the kid can then be um, because the winner is not necessarily the robot. The winner is the father and the son. Yeah. They met, you know, and the of course the wife and the husband come back. So all of this has taken place over. Um, over uh, the summer, basically, this kid has taken this robot from underground boxing to a title match in three months. <laughs> good, job. good on you, Dad. <laughs> and uh, you realize, okay, he's probably going to go live with the with the wealthy parents and everything, but he has built a, an actual relationship with his father now, and so you're okay with it. And you know that he's not just going to dump him, you know? Yeah. So it's it's really quite heartwarming. The themes of, of fatherhood are there. Uh, the themes of, of innocence lost, you see Charlie, you know, as, was a good person who kind of lost his way. And by, you know, hooking up with his son again, he, he learns what it's like to be a human again. So all of that stuff is, it's by the book, but it, it works. You know, there's a reason that these kind of movies are out all the time. Yeah. It's because it's easy to tug on the heartstrings this way. Hugh is super likable, even when he's a dick. So, you know, that helps. I think it would be a lot harder to go along with the change in him if he was an asshole. Mm -hmm. But instead, he's he's one of those, you know, likable guys. Trying to get along in a world that's too tough for him. Right. And the focus really is on the relationship of the father and the son in this movie. Evangeline Lilly is in maybe maybe 10 minutes of it. I really appreciate that, actually, because if it's a father and son movie, I hate it when it shifts gears into like a romance. Right. Yeah. That that doesn't happen. And in fact, she's she's pretty much done with him by the time the movie starts. She's one of the people he owes money to as well. So <laughs> <laughs> so she, she kind of is along for the ride and she kind of even says, you know. I get it. I I am my own worst enemy when it comes to you because you're charming and handsome and all this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and then one of the things really interesting is the robot has got a very blank face. All the other robots are these really cool looking mechas with Japanese writing all over them, and they look really cool. And this thing is given kind of a blank face with two LED eyes in it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
it gives it kind of a weird personality. It makes it feel a little more human than the other robots. Ah. But also, um, you can kind of put your own face onto it because you're sure. watching it and you're like, I don't think the eyes have changed, but he suddenly looks sad now. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's it's one of those things. Oh, um, I got a little bit of trivia on this thing that's kind of fun. Ooh. Set in the far future, the year 2020. <gasps> Whoa. God, can we have that instead of what we got going on? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I'm ready to switch (laughs) Um, right now. Each of the boxing robots, about 20 of them, were built in real life as well as CGI. Spielberg's whole thing when he took the director aside was, you're going to want some real robots in this, something that the actors can stand next to and talk to and stuff like that. So anytime they're not boxing, they are real robots and they took uh, up to 20 puppeteers on each of these Whoa. robots. Oh, heck yes. All, all sorts of mecha servers and oh, that's servos so good. and all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. Much of the robot boxing matches were motion captured using professional boxers oh. supervised by Sugar Ray Leonard. Nice. Huh. I thought that was pretty cool. He knows cool. a thing or two. Yes. Especially how to move and look really cool doing it. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was based on Matheson's Short story, Steel, which was also a episode of the original Twilight Zone series. Oh. I watched that episode, and this is nothing like it. Okay. (laughs) Very different takes. Loose interpretation. You'll remember, (laughs) this is the one with the robot boxer, but he looks like a human, and so it's kind of... Oh, so it's... Yeah. And then at one point near the climax, um, one of the robots is being controlled by two hand controllers that look exactly like the old Rock'em Sock'em robot controllers. Oh <laughs> so my God. I thought I thought that was a really Somebody nice had some touch. Fun. Yeah. yeah, some toy line uh, <laughs> yeah. crossovers right there. So this is totally a summer movie. Uh, the effects are really cool. This is totally your kind of movie, Ooh. Vanessa. I think that you would just love it. I think it's everybody's kind of movie because it's it's. It's a feel-good movie. Yeah. yeah. Crowd pleaser. Yeah. yeah. I'm so thrilled that you found a feel-good movie for this week. <laughs> I've been needing that. Well, I guess I should time. go next then. Uh, destroy that. Oh, Can we just no. End the show? We've gone from a, dad, a decent dad who's actually a serial killer, so you know he's at least got some good qualities, to right. Uh, right. a great dad to a kind of a real piece of shit. Oh, boy. <laughs> so... Oh. So the, the, I'm sorry, I'm assuming it sounded like you're wrapped up. Yes, yeah, I'm done, I'm done. Watch your hands. Oh, yeah. Uh, So the fun here uh, begins with the film Frailty. You the agent in charge of the case? That's right. What can I do for you? I'm here because I can't live with what I know anymore. Listen, this may sound a little bit crazy, but I know who the goddamn killer is. What makes you think that? He hadn't even heard me out yet and already doubt me. They were raised to obey their father. To love him, to trust him. Night, boys. Sleep tight. Don't let those bed bugs bite. Until. Wake up. I've got something to tell you. What's wrong? There are demons among us. I can see the demons while other people can't. I'm scared, Dad. Nothing that crazy could be real. The angel told me that God would be sending weapons. Maybe you just dreamed it. Maybe you're not right in the head. God will be sending a list of the first seven demons. These are people's names. And they'll look like people. They're not. Dad made up this whole thing. Do you understand? Well, if it has to be done, it has to be done. Is that true? Why would I make it up? It's all a big lie. I don't want to run away. You are hiding something from me. What is it you think I'm hiding? When I lay my hands on 
I'll reveal them for what they truly are. I got a pretty good idea of them bodies are. I'll tell. Craziest thing ever in a long time. Ah! Check the Rose Garden. I don't believe a word of it. But it's true. Bill Paxton. Those were demons. Why can't you see that? Matthew McConaughey. Tell me the truth. Sometimes truth defies reason. You're crazy! Only demons should fear me. You're not a demon, are you? The 2002 film directed by uh, Bill Paxton. And uh, that's about all he's directed. He also directed a film called The Greatest Game Ever Filmed. But I haven't seen that one and some short films. Mm. Which is too bad because he's really good. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard nothing but really good things about this movie. You have not seen Frailty? I tried to watch it before this and the internet went out. (laughs) So I've seen the first like 20 minutes. This is a not, good yeah, movie. Not, yeah. not, you don't get to watch this. I'll, I'll, I'll watch. Uh, yeah, I was very mad because I paid for it on Amazon. And oh, you get the 24-hour thing. <laughs> yes. It's like, well, great. All right. I guess I paid for nothing. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, it's, reviews are uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 74 for the critics, 78 crowd. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds about right. Um, budgeted at $11 million, It made $17 million worldwide. So it, at least... Made its money back. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Bill Paxton directed, written by Brent Hanley. Uh, this is his, and that's his only feature. I was stunned to see that the guy who wrote this didn't write a whole shitload more. He did a the Masters of Horror episode called Family. He wrote, and that's been about it. Wow. Um, stars a couple people you've heard of. <laughs> Bill Paxton is also one of the main characters. The main star who. Somehow I'd completely forgotten is Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> it was weird. I did get that far. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Yes. Okay. All right. But watching him not be like the star star. I don't know. It was interesting. He, he's the main character. Yeah. And the third adult lead actor is Powers Booth, who is, well, he's great. I didn't bother to write down any movies those folks are in. If you're not sure who they are, please look them up and start watching their movies because they've done a lot of good ones between the three of them. Uh, Matt O'Leary played one of the children. He went on to be Pax on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was in Brick, uh, Live Free, Die Hard. So he's done some work since then. And the other son was Jeremy Sumter, who was a regular on Friday Night Lights and has been in Peter Pan or I think Hook and a variety of stuff. So they... They cast these kids well, and they are really good. They are really good. Uh, the the opening credits, I'm going, three freaking minutes long. <laughs> but they're sort of telling the story of the God Hand killer, but not really. It's oh, wait a second. Is there a real killer? Oh, oh, the, oh the story uh, of the credits is being told. Tells the story of the, I see. Of okay. the, the serial killer that they're looking for in the movie. Um. It starts off with Matthew McConaughey showing up at Powers Booth office, uh, telling him he knows who the killer is. God's hands killer is. Um, of course, you know, Powers kind of like, sure you do. Thanks. Not sure how you got all the way back to my office, <laughs> but uh, let's talk for a while. And McConaughey starts to tell the story of his family and his kid uh, when he was a kid and how Paxton one night decided to wake up the boys and tell them about how he'd been visited by an angel. 
an angel that came to him and explained how they're going to basically become the kids from Supernatural. They're going to become uh, the violent version. And that he has been given a gift to see demons in people. And he is going to, over time, he's got to find his three weapons for killing. An axe, some gloves, and I forgot what the third one is. But the axe is really the only one that they pay any attention to. And it's got, uh, he's driving on the middle of nowhere and suddenly stops the car and looks over at this barn. Knowing he has to go in there and he walks into the barn and this axe is there. In the, just shoved into some wood with the word Otis scratched on the bottom of it. It's like, that's my axe. It's a pretty dramatic shot. It really it's is. Cool Light pouring in. Right. Yes, exactly. Oh, and hey, Bill drives an El Camino in this. El Camino. <laughs> Kelly used to drive an El Camino. Oh, very nice, very nice. Those are the ones with the trunk, right? Or no? The, the, the El Camino. How would you describe it? Yeah. I think that you described it as a crook. It's a car with a, <laughs> a truck with a truck bed. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and uh, the in the storyline, one of the kids, the younger kid, buys in hook, line, and sinker to what Bill's doing, and the older child is having a very hard time understanding it. Start of why he has finally come to talk to the FBI agent is the brother asked him to bury him in the rose garden, which is where they buried a lot of their victims, and after doing that. Conahay came to the FBI to come clean because his brother had been killed. So the, the riff comes and they, they battle the battle, the older son and the father have a lot of battles back and forth. I am not touching the end of this film mm, mm-hmm. at all. Actually, I'm not touching about the last 40 minutes. Wow. Because it moves up and down, back and forth. There's all kinds of crazy cool stuff that happens oh. through the storyline. And it's well worth watching. Like Kelly said, this is a hell of a film oh. um, it's extremely well written it's the acting is all top notch ironically the guy who fumbles the most is probably because he was directing himself as Paxton has a few moments where you're like you need a little help there buddy <laughs> but uh, it's still it's still good yeah it's never bad and McConaughey I think this is where McConaughey really started to turn for me it's a few years later I think it was Paris Texas where I went holy shit this guy is a uh, cavalcade of acting <laughs> abilities <laughs> But, or not Paris, Texas, I forgot the name of the, but you know the one I'm talking about where he plays a, a really crooked cop. He's mean as hell. Not ringing a bell for me. It's a brutal, brutal role. He's complete asshole. Mm-hmm. McConaughey is no, zero hero in this. As a matter of fact, he's a fucking asshole. Wow. But he starts to be, definitely moves far away from his dazed and confused persona and the, the romantic guy they're trying to get him to be with this role. So I, I so I went in since you know I didn't really want to talk deeply about what's going on because half the movie I don't want to even discuss because sure. what's going on. So I went in. I was like, okay, let's see some interpretations of this film because there's a lot going on philosophically in this movie. Came out in 2002, and I got to say, one of the weirder interpretations I read that I, not quite as bad as some of the philosophies in what was it Room 237 about The Shining. <laughs> Not quite as crazy as those, but one interpretation that was an allegory for the war on terror. Whoa. I'm like, whoa, I guess if you wanted to shoehorn that in, you kind of could, but it feels far more intimate than that. This film feels very much like a family film, the dynamics of the family and the way parents fuck up their kids (laughs) or don't 
Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get far into the movie, but I do remember like seeing the opening scenes where he's a really genuinely good dad. And then mm-hmm. when he starts to get weird, it's almost heartbreaking. Yeah. Because you're just like, but you were going to be a good dad and these kids were going to be OK. <laughs> yeah. And now, no, 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 <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> so I, I thought that one was kind of a stretch. I'm going, no, I don't think I'm going to go with there. I can understand it came out in 2002 and everybody was still on pins and needles with that as a subject line. There's a lot of Bible interpretation going on. There's a, a turn, an interesting turn in the film. I don't quite think this is a spoiler, but if you're worried, go ahead and skip forward. Uh, at one point when he's going to the older son, he's asked to sacrifice his only son, you know, the, the classic oh, sure. Bible story. And he actually fails at that. He doesn't. He, he thinks he succeeds in it, but in the storyline, he really doesn't. So it's interesting to see how that story is played out to where did the dad do what he's supposed to do? What is the God that's over telling him all the stuff going to deal with it? You might not even realize it happened the way it's shot. But thinking back on the film going, hold on, <laughs> he, he didn't he didn't do quite what Abraham was there. And it wasn't presented in a way where God said, OK, you're good. It just failed it. Wow. Um, huh. His heart wasn't in it. <laughs> yes. King Arthur's in it. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit more of why I was a little upset or disappointed that Bill never got to direct again. Mm. Watching the film, it's very interesting in that it does the lighting, the staging, the movement darken and cast, get claustrophobic as the movie goes along. It starts off relatively light. Not so much in McConaughey's world, but in Bill's world, it's relatively light and airy. They go outside. He's dropping the kids off at school. It's a bright summer day. But then as the movie goes on, even the bright days darken a little bit. And all the the areas that they're doing things in get darker and more grimy. It's a really interesting progression in the way, particularly around Bill's character as they move through that. The kids and McConaughey's acting, part of what makes all of it so good is layered acting out of the kids. <laughs> it's, no, it's not just a lot of times kids are given one note and they can do that one note in that one scene really well. Then they do a different note in a different scene. These kids did layered acting. They did some really interesting work, especially the older kid. Yeah. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> Bill knows how to get performances out of kids. Man. Oh. Well, it was really well paced. It moves at an amazing clip. It's one of those things you look up and go, holy shit, I'm 30 minutes into this film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fun little trivia points. The film is set in Texas. Bill, Matthew, and Powers are all Texas-born boys. Sure. (laughs) The name of the town, which isn't a real town, but sure sounds like it should be in Texas. Meat. Oh, my God. (laughs) Meat, Texas. That's beautiful. That's right. They never explain if Otis has any significance at all. Uh, there's fans theories uh, that uh, Bill is, Otis is Bill Paxson's character's real name. Oh. Uh, the other theory is that it's the acronym of only the innocent survive, which was mm-hmm. a tagline for the film as well. Oh, oh. interesting. Huh. Uh, it, uh, the writer's interpretation part- partially of his work was that he was interested in the frailties of perception, uh, the world we live in. 
and the way we view the world and the way somebody else might view the world. And so he wanted to write this character with the perception of the world he doesn't share, but he's curious about how somebody would share it. So he wrote it into the script. I'm like, hmm. God damn it, dude, write more scripts. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what a fantastic place to start from wow. a script writing point. Uh, shot for eight weeks. Uh, the, in the movie, they read, they want to, <laughs> one of the kids wants to go see, um, I forgot what a kid, the, oh, he wants to go see Meatballs again. And the older brother's like, oh no, we're going to go see the Warriors. <laughs> the original script, they were going to go see Aliens. <laughs> Oh. And Bill's like, we should probably change that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little too on the nose. <laughs> yes. And Bill wanted Powers Booth because uh, Tombstone. They'd worked together on Tombstone. And uh, That's right. he read the script and immediately thought that Powers Booth needs to be on this. And I loved working with him. So let's bring him in and worked again. There was a point in the film where you realize what's going on is real as opposed to just in his mind where... Uh, it's a shot of Paxson, and he appears to be back with his first victim. And you really don't see anything until suddenly it pans down, and you see a woman bound and gagged at his feet. Apparently, in the test screening, 23 people walked out at that point. Whoa. Wow. I'm like... We had different sensibilities at some point. There is uh, nothing that... I mean, it's an intense film, but uh, as far as extreme, I can't think of a single blood moment, really. I mean, like, you see people get hit, you see axe get swung, you see all that stuff, but you don't see axes hitting heads. I mean, there's no real heavy violence other than, like, you know, you could tell somebody got hit on the head with things. and things. Just the but implication. Yeah, so yeah. apparently whatever Bill was building for those 23 people, it was just too much to even have that wow. level. But that was one I rented, like I said, I think you rented on Amazon, I believe I did as well. Mm. I was a little surprised I didn't own it. I could have sworn I owned this film. But, uh... So, the, yeah, Frailty, Bill Paxton. Check it out. It's fucking good. Oh, man. <laughs> good choices, you guys. But I got to say, if there were yes. a winner of the fathers, <laughs> mine is clearly the winner. Uh, he, well, he's definitely the best dad. Uh, well, it's the only one with a dad that she'd all want to have as a dad. Yeah, that's totally. for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to put that out there. I, I win. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't disagree. Although I think all three of us had such good <laughs> films this week. I am, I am literally watching the Clovefish Killer tonight. Yay, yeah, please do. So. Please do. I would love to hear uh, your impressions of it. Cool. Before we take off, uh, just remind everybody, check out the Portland Horror Film Festival yeah. this weekend. Uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I will be checking it out myself. Run by great people. Great taste in films. That's so right. It's well run by uh, Brian and Gwen of the yep. H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Um, this means that next week is my choice. Yeah. All right. So we're going from uh, from fathers to um, <laughs> the father of lies. Did you see what I did there? Nice. Ooh, nice. That, that's right up there with Glance at Lance. <laughs> I like that. These are both good. Oh, God. <laughs> this is why we get paid the big bucks. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I want to do uh, representations of the devil. So we have done like satanic panic and stuff mm -hmm. like that. This one has to have the devil show up. Now, he doesn't have to look like the devil, but it's got to be the devil. Yeah. In a physical manifestation in the film in some way. It can even be a moment where the devil shows up. Mm -hmm. You know, you could grab uh, Bedazzled. Remember the other movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do remember Bedazzled. I saw it many times. 
So, you know, it can be funny, it can be <laughs> scary, it can be whatever, but it's got to be the devil. Sounds Perfect. good. Oh, man. There are so many options out there. Yes. All right. So, hey, thanks, everybody. Um, here we are back doing this the regular way for as yeah. long as they allow us to. Oh, with due apologies to our YouTube fans who actually liked watching us thing there. Just imagine. Put a, put a, put a, pull up a screen and just... There you go. We should we should come up with those uh, jib jab videos. Just pictures of our heads that you can make the mouths move oh to as we're talking. Oh my god! Oh, how much just the two of you doing that? And I'll just be off screen somewhere. <laughs> you better watch out. We can make that happen, no. and we yeah. won't make it look good for you. Uh, That's right. No one looks good in a jib jab. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks again to all the kind words, writing, reviewing. Yes, thanks thank for you. sticking with us while we were doing this whole thing, mm -hmm. you know, in lockdown. Um, way back, even before Vanessa joined the podcast, Eric and I had said, we got to be in person to do these. And so when yeah. we had guests show up, at what we didn't want to have Skype calls. They had to be able to come in in person. And so... That was the one thing I felt that we had over so many podcasts is we've had really solid sound. Yeah. And then this kind of forced us to, <laughs> yeah. to get into the only yeah. thing that we didn't want to do, which was have to record separately. So yeah. here we are, and we will keep this going like this as long as we are allowed to, because we love you. That's right. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys later, and I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. See ya. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Morgret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and wherever fine podcasts are found. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.